Welcome to City Life Church, and this is our podcast. This is Pastor Dave Diefendorf, and we are so honored to have you join us today. Our passion is to help you discover who God is, grow in the likeness of Jesus, and lead well in this generation. I hope in this message, God will meet you where you're at and take you to the next level in your connection with Him and His kingdom. Enjoy the message. Good morning. Good morning. So I love the team name shift up, shoulders in, like laces out from uh, Ace Ventura. But anyway, um, that's an older generation uh, reference. So that's why I stopped mentioning movies, because it's like all the ones that I know, nobody else knows. And so anyway, praise the Lord. All right. Well, good morning. Uh, yeah, we're in a little recovery. Had a little ham, hammy strain. Didn't think that I would... <laughs> Didn't think that I was at that age, but I think we are. Anyway, uh, well, good morning. We are wrapping up this series. Today's this last message in this series that we started after Easter called The Abundant Life. And we've been just looking at how do we bring the resurrection life Jesus came to give us, gift us, uh, how do we steward that? How do we steward that in our own life? And then we looked at how do we steward that in our home so it would be a roommate or family or spouse. And then last week, uh, Rich Lorenzo from Lawrence got a, brought a great message on uh, how to bring resurrection life, abundant life to work. And how, do we, how should we think about uh, being a blessing to those that we work around. And this last uh, message, uh, and it went from the vine, you individually being connected to the vine, that God's a gardener about the family. Uh, we looked at the field, about work, that everybody has a field to, uh, to sow seed in for the gospel. And then lastly, today, is I just want us to look at the land. The land. So just kind of a little bit farther out, beyond our family, beyond our work, and just kind of like the land in which we live. That's where I want to bring our eyes to today, and what do we do as believers when we are in the midst of a land that's in chaos, in the midst of massive and rapid societal change? How do we live in confidence and peace knowing that we're doing exactly what God has called us to do in this generation? That's what we're going to get after today. So let's pray. Lord God, we just thank you for the power of your word, that Lord, when we come confused or in doubt or in fear, Father, our word can just speak straight to our heart, straight to our spirit, God. And Lord, I pray that you're just the power of your word that doesn't return void, would not return void in our heart this morning. God, that we would uh, be your people in this hour. And God, give us handles, give us a vision of how do we live in this land in which we live when there's so much chaos and so much dysfunction and disorder, God, how do we be your people, knowing that we're confident before you that we're doing exactly what you've called us to do? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So the land we're living in, you could kind of go as far as maybe the globe, but our nation, the land in which we live, it's crazy, right? It's crazy. Every time you kind of turn on your TV, if you watch TV, or bring up your social media feed, there's just, an, uh, just a level of chaos 
and craziness that's kind of like been hurled our way over the last 20 years. And, and it's funny, over the last two days, uh, there was two circumstances in which uh, somebody did something funny way back in the day, and they said, man, that, we couldn't do that anymore. That, that, that wouldn't be funny. It was, it was funny back in the day, but we just can't do that or say that. Sometimes it's overwhelming. I know I have felt this many a day, just feeling overwhelmed by all the stuff that's going on in us, feeling that, man, what, how do, what do I do with all that? What do I do as a follower of Jesus when I see so much dysfunction out there that I don't really have a, a place to affect anything? It's way beyond my pay grade. It's way beyond my ability to influence. Seems overwhelming. Sometimes it just seems downright silly. <laughs> you know, some of the things that we just see, it's just like that is not only crazy, but that's silly. And then lastly, the, the emotion that I think a lot of us feel, I know I have felt, is that it's tragic. It's tragic. Over the last 80 years, just seeing so much of what's going on in our nation. And many have sensed this. This goes way beyond just a political battle. This isn't just politics as normal. And some even sense that this goes maybe way beyond just an ideological battle. That maybe really the, the, the ground in which we're really on is a spiritual battle. And this is a spiritual battle that we're maybe waking up for the first time. Many have woken up over the past two, three years that this is a spiritual battle that we've actually been born into. That every generation actually gets born into. And us kind of realizing, man, there's spiritual forces of a fallen evil world, a fallen evil world system that works to enslave, numb, distract us from who we are, who, what God has called us to do, and even more importantly, most importantly, to keep you from knowing the God who made you. And it's over the past, you know, I think we feel, all feel the weight. And it's kind of like... Uh, a subtle anxiety all of us kind of walk around with. We see the cognitive dissonance. We, we see hypocritical leaders or experts. We finally, we follow the money and we're kind of like, man, this is crazy. <laughs> this is crazy. Massive cultural ideological changes. The sense of global elites and transnational corporations exerting leverage over nation states in a way that they have never done in history. Looming financial crises. Uh, everything seemingly politicized. And so when it gets politicized, everybody kind of gets on their side and you're really not talking truth, you're just talking narratives, talking opinions. And so truth becomes this elusive currency, the elusive valuable. We see the fruition of a fractured family from the 50s and 60s and 70s and kind of the messages and the in in incentives that the government gives and all this and we see this fracturedness of the family and we're just kind of coming to the fruition of when families break down what happens in society. 
And so, yes, it seems like we're surrounded by dysfunction. Crazy, overwhelming, silly, tragic. And yet the Lord keeps drawing me to certain passages in this time. And the one I've mentioned it numerous times, but I've just mentioned it. But this is Psalm 2, 1 through 3. God's word says this, why are the nations so angry? Why do they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepare for battle. The rulers plot together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Let us break their chains, they cry, and free ourselves from slavery to God. But the one who rules in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. The Lord mocks them. He laughs at their plans. Do you actually think that you could get one over on the sovereign God who made everything? Absolutely not. And actually, evil, godless men have been planning to overturn God's will and plan for millennia. There's nothing new under the sun. You follow back power, power of certain dynasties, of certain Babel cultures, it's all the same. The scripture helped me out a ton why God is ultimately in control. And because we have his word, we know that in the end he wins. Godless men have, again, always tried to plot against God and his people. It's always been this way. And so for us, you know, as we're kind of like born and grow up and us kind of like having maybe some lenses kind of lift off our eyes of maybe how evil and dark and corrupt, maybe behind the curtain, the land of Oz is, all the more reason for God's word to be an anchor to our soul because this has always been the human condition since Babel. And God's word has always been an anchor to Yahweh's people to say, even though there's a bunch of chaos out there, I'm trusting in the sovereign Lord who made everything. And for him, when he looks down and sees these godless men, does it say he gets overwhelmed? Does it say he kind of throws him off his game? Does it say like, man, he really gets, it's like, no, he laughs. He laughs. But even with all this, God in his word hand delivers a proper response for us to guide us confidently in the darkness of our culture. God directly tells us in his word how we're to live. Psalm 37, verse three to five. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he will do it. Powerful verse and I just want us to kind of camp out. How is God asking us to live in the land in which he's called us to live? And I think this verse, these verses, give us a direct answer. So I just want to pull out, just kind of camp out on these verses. It says, trust in the Lord and do good. Trust in the Lord. Not going halfway, but a full lean in to I am trusting God with everything that's within me. Every heart desire, everything that I've got, my past, my present, my future, I'm fully leaning in and trusting him. And then it says, do good. Do good. Well, it's like, kind of like, okay, do good. Be good. Be good. Kind of like a general overarching, but what does that mean? Doing good. 
It means there's certain kind of mindsets that Yahweh, followers of Yahweh have versus those that don't follow Yahweh. Those that follow Yahweh are givers and not takers. They have kind of a, 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 a change in their heart to where it's like, man, I'm here to actually give, not just take. Or, or how about the change that kind of goes on in people's hearts of like, hey, I'm here to be a servant, not for other people to serve me. You know, sometimes that's what, that's what happens in our kind of teenage years when we're dreaming about the future and we're kind of imagining, oh man, what could life be like? You know, and you're kind of setting out, charting out the course and you're like, man, I want to have this, I want to have that, I want to have this, and you kind of get your checklist going on. But very rarely does that checklist as a teenager, 20-year-old, include on the top item, I'm here to serve others. No, it's like, man, at the bottom of the list almost. It's like, no, I need to create a situation where, man, people are serving me, right? Like, man, I'll put my dues in, but then I want those dues to get a reward, to pay off, to where someday later this, this, little t this uh, arrangement shifts, and now I get to be the beneficiary. It's like, no, as a kingdom person, it's like you were made to serve others until you go be with him not have other people serve you. Or how about being a builder and not a destroyer? Man, we got a lot of destroyers in the church deconstructing this to its basic, like to nothing, stealing its vertebrae and its, its power out of it. Are you a builder? The phrase, check yourself before you wreck yourself, it's kind of in the 90s. It's a little older reference, but how's your heart? Trusting in the Lord, doing good. And this is where I want us to kind of focus on the rest of our time. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. So yes, while these godless men plot their plans, we are to cultivate faithfulness. That's what you and I can do to push back the spiritual forces that are coming after us and your family and your legacy or whatever. Being faithful in God's kingdom is actually a spiritual force that pushes back the gates of hell. Four areas of faithfulness that I think God wants us to really zero in on today. Being faithful, dwell in the land, and cultivate faithfulness. Well, what are we to actually cultivate? Nourish, fertilize, water. Being faithful to him. First off, it's just being faithful to him in your heart. Having a pure heart and a clean conscience. I love Paul's encouragement to Timothy, his, his young son in the Lord that he'd raised up. And he says this, the purpose of my instruction is that all the Christians there would be filled with love that comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience, and a sincere faith. Man, that's the kind of substance God wants to nourish and cultivate between you and him. A pure heart, a clean conscience, a sincere faith. A sincere faith that's true and real and doesn't just kind of put on the smile and the mask. The one that really connects with him, a pure heart, clean conscience, not just a belief, it's giving your full allegiance to Yahweh because of what he's done for us. 
Now, we know us, right? We know, as this equation, dwell in the land, cultivate faithfulness. And there's always kind of like a little thought in the back of my head. But God, I know I can't do that perfectly. But God, I know I can't do that perfectly. And that's the amazing thing, is that God in this co-partnership with you always makes up the difference. But he's asking your heart to be faithful to him, loyal to him. Cultivate it. And being close to him, he tends your heart, being responsive to his voice, being faithful to obey what he's asking you to do. And I don't know about you, but there's, it's so amazing to see when someone who, going against everything that in your heart that you want and you hear God speak and you're like, I need to obey him. It's one of the most powerful things a young a disciple can do of Jesus, to say, God, I'm laying up the things that I want, God, but for the things that only you can provide. And it's having a heart to say, God, I trust you fully, and God, I'm gonna be faithful to you and you alone. I'm gonna be faithful to you. It's just amazing to see. Second, being faithful to his truth, his word. That there is authority in God's word because it comes from him. It reads me. I don't read myself into it. And that's what a lot of times people, young, and it's not a, it's not a sometimes it's not even like a nefarious thing. It's just more like this is just why I naturally would read any book. I kind of read myself into it. But that's not how we handle God's word because it comes from the God who made you. Job 38, this is a powerful statement. He's talking to Job. And he says, Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? Brace yourself like a man because I have some questions for you and you must answer them. What? Could you imagine God saying that? Okay, brace yourself. I mean, when you say, brace yourself like a man, what's that look like? Like, like you know what I mean? Like, what's that look like? All right, brace yourself like a man. Here we go. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. Who determined its dimensions and stretched out the surveying line? I mean, it's just like this, this reality check of who do you really think you are? You're a sinner made by this creator, and then we have the arrogance to say, God, I think you were wrong in here. I think your opinions are wrong in here. Because of what I see it out here, God, I think I'm going to change this. Dude, you're putting yourself in a position that I would not want to be in. Brace yourself like a man. Whoa. We have to recognize the reality of this setup. There's a pure and holy, righteous God. And us, broken, disintegrated sinners... And there's nothing that we could do to make our condition better. There's nothing. Unless God comes down and does something on our behalf. And that's what makes Christianity different than every other religion on the planet. Because every other religion is you have to do X, Y, and Z to get up to 
holiness, to get up to righteousness. The thing about Christianity is like we fully admit that can never happen. We are broken. And so it's being faithful to know God's word, meditating on it, not just like, hey, I'm not going to change it, but now I need to get it in my soul. I need to get God's word. How does he think? How does he think about things? Joshua 1 says this, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions I've given you. Now, this is God's instruction to Joshua right before they go into the promised land. And so, yes, there's some specific instructions he's giving Joshua, but I think we could distill or pull out the very heart that God has, not just for Joshua, but maybe for all of us. He says, be careful to obey all the instructions I've given you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you'll be successful in everything that you do. What a promise. What an amazing promise. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then you'll be able, you, will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Man, that's amazing truth from his word that gives us anchors in this chaotic world. Study his word. Meditate on it. Chew the cud. You know the, the phrase, chew the cud. You know, it's like a cow. If you've ever been around a farm, a, a cow, bovine, they eat grass and they gnaw on it with their little flat uh, uh, molars and they swallow it and then they, they bring it back up and they chew it even more. It's kind of disgusting. <laughs> but they kind of machinate on that grass over and over and over and over and over and over again because their stomach can't digest it. They, they, they've got to go through that process in order to be able to digest the grass, what they're eating. And it's like in the same way, I don't know about you, but if the grocery list is longer than three items, I'm like, please write this down, right? For the fellas, got, you know, a little, hey, can you run and grab a couple things? And it's like, holy cow, if it's more than three things, we got to write this thing down, babe, because I get lost. It's like you add a fourth thing and there's like hijack, high, my brain gets hijacked. How much more God's word? How much more do we forget? How much more do we need to remind ourselves? Maybe daily, God, you're in charge. You win in the end. So being faithful to him, faithful to his word. How about being faithful, thirdly, being faithful to the people he set before you? Being faithful to the people that he set before you. Man, the second part of the greatest commandment is to love others. Love God, and another commandment that's as equal to that, love others as you love yourself. First Peter 1, Peter said this, as each of you should use whatever gift you've received to what? Serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. You are stewards of God's grace. There's a facet of God in every one, but it takes Jesus to kind of pull that out, knock off the dirt and the dust and the staleness and to pull out. And when, all, when people gather together and everybody's in that process, man, when people get around, it's like, man, I, I sense Jesus here. 
Not because of this one person, not because of this other person, but it's like, man, when I meet this group of people, it's like I'm hit with the face of the Lord. That's what he's talking about. Use those gifts. Use what he's put inside of you to what? Give, serve other people. Faithful to the people he's placed before you, your spouse, your family, your close friends, your coworkers, or all the other miscellaneous people that God has put before you to say, I need you to be faithful with this person. I'm asking you to be faithful with this person. And there may be times, now, now family, that's a life... That's lifelong faithfulness right there. But maybe like coworkers or some of those miscellaneous friends, those, those can kind of come through seasons. There's seasons in my life where people have come in, been faithful to that relationship, and then that relationship kind of moves on. But at the end of the day, God's going to ask us, were you faithful to the people I've put in front of you? I can't control other people, but I can control me in being faithful so some are seasonal, some are lifelong, but are you being faithful to the people he's placed in front of you? How do you push back the forces of hell? By being faithful to the people he's put in front of you. And then lastly, faithful to the roles, the tasks, the deeds that he's prepared in advance for you to walk in. Being faithful to those. Being faithful to him, his word, the people around you, and the things that he's asked you to do. Think about all the hats that you wear in a given week. Think about all the roles that you have to play in a given week. Some might have the role of a son and a father, all in the same week. How about a, a, a boss, a manager, and a volunteer team leader? I mean, there's a lot of hats that we can wear in a given week. And God is asking are you being faithful with those roles? How do you push back the gates of hell? Are you being faithful with what he's put in front of you? A project, a team, an opportunity? Be faithful. Steward it. Be faithful stewards, not only of the gifts God's given you, but of the opportunities that God has given you. What about in the monotonous rhythms of life? Man, this is where... This is where reality kind of hits. It's not just kind of in the, in the exciting things or maybe in the, in the new position, the new job, the new role. But sometimes the greatest need for faithfulness is in the monotony of life, in the normal rhythms of life. You know, it's interesting reading Psalms. David is wandering through the desert. Um, some of the Psalms that he writes... He's being chased by Saul, the king of Israel, and out of jealousy and whatever, Saul's chasing David, and he's in the desert, and if you've ever been to the kind of the desert that David was wandering in, there's just little mounds of sand, but as David was out with the Lord and he's kind of, you know, trying to escape from Saul, he looks on these hills and he goes, Man, look at the beauty of the mountains of the Lord. And it was like he was able to, in, the, in his walk with the Lord, just see everything a lot more glorious than the monotonous standard that it was. And not that you, like, change reality, but just that you're seeing way more beyond what the natural eye is seeing, that there's something way more going on here 
in just the monotony of life. It's actually, I'm laying a foundation for a faithful life. And sometimes that monotony can get to you, and a lot of times that monotony kind of forces people to become unfaithful because I just want something different. Colossians 3 says this, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you're serving. So with these roles, these tasks, responsibilities, you go out, it's the Lord you are serving. And there may be some, maybe some things because of the chaos and the dysfunction of our society, God may be calling you out to maybe go serve specifically. Or, or man, there's a call on, and, and this, this little cause or this thing that's going on or this, oh, man, I feel God calling me to step into that. And there's maybe some of you here that it's like, man, there may be some big steps of faith that God's asking you to do in the future because there's, there's plans that he's prepared for you in advance. But it's like right now, I need you to get prepared for the good things that I've planned for you in the future. Jesus shared this powerful parable to his disciples. His disciples are asking Jesus some big questions. Hey, when's the end going to come? about the temple. And Jesus in the middle of it, as they're kind of wondering about these kind of big things that might happen, that God may sovereignly do. Jesus in the middle of it shares this parable about three servants. And we find it in Matthew 25. And he called together, it says, this landowner, the owner of the land, called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. And it says, um, he called them together, and it's not up there, and he gave five bags to one of, of gold or talents. And if you wanted the kind of the breakdown, a talent is about $800,000 in our today's fund. So when a person is, when, when it's like a master gave one five talents, it's like, it's about five or six million dollars. Anyway, so it's a lot. But anyway, uh, gives one five, one two, one one. Then it says he goes away. Then he says he comes back. When he comes back, he asks for an account of what he's given them. And to the one he gave five, that person with the time that he was given returned that investment by doubling it. He gives God ten back, or not God, the parable, because the parable is a made-up story, but it's trying to illuminate something that's true in the kingdom of God. Anyway, he gives, he gives uh, the master ten, and this is the master's response. The master was full of praise. He says, well done, my good and what? Faithful. Faithful. Like at the end of our lives, when God comes to give an account for our life, it's not, hey, what'd you do about all the things way above your pay grade? What'd you do about all that? No, it's were you faithful with what I've entrusted to you in your life? That's all. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount. Now, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's separate, celebrate together. 
Imagine the Father looking you dead in the eyes and saying that to you. Well done, my good and faithful servant. And the great news is that we serve a God. Like I said a little earlier, we talk about being faithful. There's that kind of thought of like, ah, but I know me. And the great news is that we serve a God who's always faithful. When we're, we may be faithless, he's always faithful. Having God and a faithful God who will never leave you or forsake you, who's opened up the ancient doors and brought you in to adopt you into his family, that from the word it says he has given us everything we need for life and godliness, for resurrection, abundant life and godliness, who has filled you with the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. It's that God who's going to always be faithful to you. Praise God. But then this, that faithful God is also doing this. Philippians 2 says, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Do everything without grumbling, complaining, so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Hold firmly to the word of life. What an amazing imagery that God's word gives us about what what it looks like when one of God's people, one of his disciples, one of his sons and daughters that have been adopted into his family actually are out in the midst of the world, a perverse generation. It's like a bright light in the midst of darkness. Now some, that bright light becomes saving grace. Like, man, I've been in the midst of so much darkness, I need that light. But then there's others that you've been and you went to, you've gone to a movie during the daytime, right? And you walk out and you're like, boom, hit, bright light, ah! There's some that love the light and some that will run from the light. But uh, it's our job to bring the light. Imagine a life of faithfulness. Your life, imagine your life. Imagine the abundant fruit that would well up, germinate out of a life of faithfulness. Faithfulness to him, his word, the people he's set in front of you, the tasks he's asked you to do. May we as God's resurrected faithful people live in the abundant life that he came to provide us. And may we enjoy our friendship with the King of kings and Lord of lords. Let's pray. Father God, God, I thank you for your word that it gives just such clarity in times of confusion. Father, that, Lord, when our land is perverse and crooked, God, your word asks us to dwell in your land and cultivate faithfulness, to dwell in this land, and with you and your strength and with your word, to cultivate faithfulness. God, there's nothing in this that's just going to manifest. That, God, it's intentionally building our lives on your word, on your spirit, listening to your voice and obeying. So, Father, I pray that you would equip us with a confidence before you that, God, why, my, we may not be able to do too many things way beyond our pay grade, but, God, at least we can do this 
Everyone can be faithful to you. Everyone can be faithful to your word. Everyone can be faithful to the people that you've set before us. And everyone can be faithful to the tasks that you've set before us. And so, God, I just thank you for the simplicity of your word. That, God, is counterintuitive. But, God, we thank you just for the guiding light that it is to our soul. And, Father, we do pray for our land. Lord, we just cry out for our land. God, I pray that you would give us a bigger heart for our land, for people in the land. God, we just ask for your Holy Spirit. God, we humble ourselves and we pray that you would come and heal our land. God, we need your strength, your word, your ability, your grace, your mercy. Father, for us to be your people in this generation, and God, I just ask that we would rely on you like never before. God, that we would be your people, that when they meet us, that they would know that that is one that follows Jesus. There's just something about them, the way they love others, the way they give, the way they serve, the way they are faithful to God. And that's what I want for my life. And so, Father, I pray that you would equip us and strengthen us to be your confident Holy Spirit people in this hour. And God, we just thank you for being born in such a time as this. God, we're so grateful to bringing us to a group of people that are just sold out for you, sold out to your word. And God, I'm just so grateful to everyone here. God, that we are being molded and shaped to be your heart, your voice, your message to a generation. And so God, keep us faithful in that. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we hope this message has inspired you and challenged you to be the man or woman he's called you to be now and to see his kingdom grow in every area and arena of life. God is with you more than you know. For more information about our community here in Kansas City, please visit us online at citylifekc.org and we'll see you next time on the City Life Podcast.